boats free. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. So while RJ uh, fetches his boat, I'm going to say hi and welcome to episode 294 of Motorsport 101. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison, and uh, Formula 1 is back, everybody! Yeah, race is back, baby! Yay! We're back! King, show some more enthusiasm! We have purpose again, baby! Yeah, 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 yeah! And it was actually a really, really good race! (laughs) Ah! That, that, Seasonal like, affective disorder is crushing me for the inside, baby. Let's go. <laughs> it's like we used up one of our free quota for the year early. Sweet. Um, <laughs> we had a really, really good Formula One race in Bahrain this weekend. And uh, whew, we're going to talk about it intensely over the next hour or so. As well as, well, the carnage of the real main event of the weekend. Because Formula Two is back as well. It's- yes! What do you mean yes! the real main event? We had Dirt Stall in NASCAR. <laughs> and it out. was a goddamn mess. <laughs> If it wasn't for the fact we were recording, then I would disconnect you from this Discord server <laughs> right now, Buckley. How dare you? Uh, but, um, oh man, what a, uh, again, it was an absolutely ridiculous weekend of motorsport this time around. And uh, yeah, well, we're not even going to talk about MotoGP on this episode. We're going to be doing both MotoGP races on next week's show. So if you've been tuning in waiting for that, I will say very politely, please come back next week. Thanks. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, don't get me wrong. It was still a pretty good MotoGP race, but amazingly, Formula 1 might have stolen the weekend, which is something I never normally say on this show. Yeah, but, that's, uh, <laughs> that, this is a truly rare occurrence. Very much so. Thanks, Maverick. You ruined it for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> In the meantime, our very excitable set of co-hosts, besides King. Ryan King, hello, sir. <laughs> yes, hello. I am... Glad that Formula One has returned, bringing home my favorite child to Formula Two. His favorite child, <laughs> King. You have about fifteen favorite children. You're gonna have to narrow it down for the viewers at home. You know that, right? Wait, wait. It's pretty clear. For anyone who's ever watched any episode of this show knows that it's Formula Two and everything else. To be fair, I can't really argue with him on that one. Um, that's, yeah, that's 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 completely valid. RJ, hello, sir. Hey, y'all. Uh, yeah, good weekend of racing. Glad to be back. Glad to have purpose again in our lives. It's all coming back together. Mainstream racing season. It's back. And at least for the moment, it doesn't feel like it's a drag. Give it a week. <laughs> hey, hey, we got we got a whole month ish without Formula One. I think we're good. Well, three weeks. We got in three weeks, and then it's like another three weeks. And then we got Portimao, and then it all becomes Formula One all the time, constantly, all the way through spring and summer. You'll love it. We don't love it. It's a fucking chaotic calendar. There's nine races in eleven weeks after the summer break, but who's counting anyway? And with us as always, Cam Buckley. Hello, sir. Hi, everyone. Uh, it's really hard not to look smug right now. <sighs> See, 
in the background, right, one Cam Buckley has been incredibly smug and has not reminded us every time I've had that open call that he predicted that Red Bull will be right up there and say he's at the start of this season. He's not mentioned I it got, at all. I, I got talked down. I got talked down relentlessly during the season preview. It is my time to shine, boy. <sighs> See, I, I, I was I was going to be smug because I told you that Fernando Alonso was not going to have a triumphant return to Formula One. I, I, I oh, didn't expect well, it. Be, we knew it become, wasn't going to be particularly triumphant. I didn't know it would be this untriumphant. Defeated by a sandwich bag. <laughs> oh, you can, you got defeated by the discarded remnants of a Tesco meal deal for three dollars that you bought for a minute. Uh, to to borrow a quote from friend of the show Hazel Southwell, that is a great advertisement as far as I'm concerned for the continued for the eradication of single use plastics. Um, <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> hey, um, it's just changing the plastic sandwich bag to a paper sandwich bag. I say we we don't know what the material for the uh, for the sandwich bag was. All we know is that it was a pla- it was it was something. Oh. Hey, covered a sandwich once. Yeah, if you've ever seen a NASCAR race, you know those hot dog wrappers can still be an issue. It's funny you say that because I have a friend of mine that works for Alpine or is on the way out of Alpine, and <laughs> on she the told way me, out. "Yeah, I got a source." <laughs> And she told no, me no, no, on the way out, you're just dropping people's employment status on the podcast. I know, it's great. Like, like their loss will be William's gain. Point is, is that <laughs> it, apparently, according to her, it is, actually is a lot more like the hot dog wrappers that King was referring to a second ago. So uh, you might be closer to the truth than you realize on that one, King, you know? So it's a sandwich wrapper is what we're saying. <laughs> more like a burger wrapper, but yeah, you know, that sort of, you know, like the aluminium foil, that sort of thing, apparently. Look, we just we just covered the fact that it was more like a hot dog wrapper, therefore it is a sandwich wrapper. Now that I'm throwing oh, the whole no, hole in no, this no, for no, me, no, I'm going to take break not again, no. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> While RJ strolls out of the room to write a third chapter in his book of Is a Hot Dog a Sandwich? I think it's best we get the general housekeeping out of the way. Places you can find us real quick. We're on YouTube.com forward to Sport 101 if you're watching us on there already. Hi, subscribe, hit the bell. We promise RJ we'll be back in a minute. Maybe. Um, we're on, we're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. Our personal handles are on the screen right now if you're watching this on YouTube. If you're not, they're at Harrison101HD. They're at RJ Grabs a Bottle of Water. They're, <laughs> they're at Ryan Eric King and at CBuckley917. It, it, it's actually RJ O'Connell, but you know, we, we, you know like, uh, RJ, have you finished? I'm good. I got my water. You sure you're not gonna have a hissy fit over 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 the hot dog and a sandwich? No, no, you, no, you, no. I'm I'm good. I, I wanted to throw. I just wanted to throw everything in disrepute for a hot second. Oh, you never do that on this show. Um, <laughs> you and the rest of Andrea Moda F1. <laughs> Just, just renegades, all of them. We're on Instagram, Motorsport 101 Pod. You can follow us on there. And I I have a good hunch there'll be a spicy outtake or two from this episode on there very soon. Because King sprung a surprise on us because he didn't tell us when he was actually starting to record. Way to go, King. <laughs> hey, when you told everyone to mute themselves, I was like, okay, I'm going to start recording now. I didn't know things were going to fly off the handle. 
<laughs> apparently the discourse on Twitter is all the rages is that you know, people they'd like YouTubers they would like to see on a cookery show and apparently my name's come up an awful lot in this and I have no idea why <laughs> which is a spoiler alert because folks I can't cook for shit like my, my my cookery goes to bolognese a stir fry and that's about it anything else involves chef Mike or that's, shit, that's really that's really all you need though a good yeah, spag like- ball as the kids like to call it. <laughs> right, right. A good spag board, a good stir fry, and Chef Mike, uh, a.k.a. the microwave. Um, <laughs> that's about as far as Gordon, it goes. Gordon Ramsay wants to know your location. <laughs> I'm glad one of us in here got the reference. Well done, Cam. Very good. Um, we're also on patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Fundos gets you early access to all of our audio shows. You can upgrade to the $10 version for all the video episodes as well. And you get access to the supporters club of our Discord server where you can listen to these episodes live as they're being recorded. Um, shout out to uh, Zale, to Finley, to Jason, to Vic and Zoe for listening in. Much appreciated, guys, as ever. Oh, now that one of the most chaotic intros we've had in some time on this show out of the way, let's get into the 2021 Formula One season opener, the Bahrain Grand Prix. It's debatable whether the 2021 Bahrain Grand Prix is the greatest opening round to a Formula One season of all time, but at the very least, it's in the discussion for being one of the greatest opening rounds in recent memory. As a fascinating tactical and on-track battle unfolded between Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes and Max Verstappen and Red Bull Honda. Once the race properly got underway after both Haas cars brought out safety cars and virtual safety cars, the race was on between pole sitter Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton who qualified in second. Mercedes undercut Red Bull at each of the two pit stops that they made for their lead drivers. Red Bull were willing to concede Verstappen's track position behind Hamilton in exchange for having a fresher set of tires in the final leg of the race. With six laps to go, Verstappen was within striking range of Hamilton, inching closer with every sector and every lap. And with four laps to go, Verstappen finally got the move done and overtook Hamilton for first place, only to give it back, with Verstappen going out of bounds to make that move last out of turn four. And instead of taking the place back in the remaining laps, Verstappen fell away just enough, giving Hamilton the window to claim his 96th career victory by just three quarters of a second. But... Was Lewis Hamilton in the wrong for extending the track at turn four multiple times throughout the race, well before Verstappen made an illegal pass outside the white lines? FIA race direction intended to let drivers extend the the exit of turn four, quote, if not done deliberately during the race after clamping down during practice and qualifying. Yet when Red Bull told Matt to do the same over the radio for the world to hear, Mercedes will tell to tell their leading man not to keep doing it or risk a black and white flag. This, even as race director Michael Massey stated after the race that nothing had changed in how he would enforce track limits at that spot of the track. Elsewhere, Valtteri Bottas, even with a slow pit stop, completed the podium for Mercedes in third and got the fastest lap point. Lando Norris brought home a fourth-place finish for McLaren, while teammate Daniel Ricciardo dragged a damaged McLaren to seventh. And in the drive of the day, Sergio Perez went from breaking down on the formation lap and starting for the pit lane up into fifth place on his debut for Red Bull. So, Trey, King, Cam, thoughts, feelings, reactions, takes about that fight between Hamilton and Verstappen. 
I'm I'm glad we're starting with that because I don't I didn't want to be any every other media outlet out there and start with the track limit debate heard around the world. This was a fantastic Grand Prix. God damn, that was right. God this, damn, that was good. That was I told you. I tried to tell you. Red Bull is real. I hate to admit it. For the first time in about fifty appearances since we've had Cam on here full time, Cam was right. God, how dare you? I'm still holding, holding back. I got, I'll, I'll wait till Spain before I make a judgment about whether Red Bull are really that close or not. Well, I mean, let, let's weigh this up for a second. Verstappen led every single practice session. He outqualified Hamilton by 0.4 of a second with a slightly damaged floor in that Q3 final session as well. The amount of times in the last seven years and change of the V6 hybrid era, I can't remember the amount of times, more than maybe a single hand count, as to the amount of times Mercs were this much on the back foot relative to another car. Um, Lewis Hamilton is the best qualifier in the field by miles. <laughs> like, when was the last time he was out qualified without, like, major shenanigans by point four? Point four, like that's emphatic. Like, it's, it... yeah, and uh, I mean, previously we've all we've always seen the Mercedes has some kind of X factor with their car, where maybe they don't have outright lap time, but they have straight line speed, they have extra cornering ability, they can turn the car up for qualifying, or they have superior race pace. And in mm. this situation, on the car side. Red Bull are dead even with them or faster. Definitively. Which is the first time I really think we can say since first half of 2018. Mm. Mm. Certainly. Something in that ballpark. And even then, Ferrari weren't beating them like this, like by point four out of the box. Like that's... No. No, it took it, some it... time for them to unlock that car. And yeah. to that effect with Red Bull, we haven't seen Red Bull do anything like this since the end of the V8 era. No, not, it's not, been a while. Welcome back, Red Bull. A long time. <laughs> it's 2013 all over again. Where's my boy at? Oh, uh, we'll, we'll get to him. More on later. him later. And oh, <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah, as it has played out, these regulations that cut the sides of the floor that have created uh, heavier, stiffer tires have hurt the lower-rate cars more relatively than the higher-rate cars, and of course Mercedes are pretty much the progenitors of the low-rate concept. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, I know America's number one uh, team principal in Formula One, Otmar Safnauer of Aston Martin, was big mad about this. Yeah. Big mad. This, um, is, this is his laptop. He's going to show everybody <laughs> how much his car's been hurt by these new regulations. Look, we're like three seconds slower. <laughs> yeah, uh, more on Aston later, but what it's created is a Mercedes that is not stable, that is not easy to extract the maximum from, and their bandage solution for this weekend was to more or less just stick the biggest rear wing they could find on the car and then deal with the understeer at high-speed turns. Yeah, that's one hell of an X-factor for the 2021 car, I gotta say. Yeah. Big wing. It sounds like something you get in a Mario game. Um, <laughs> yeah, like Hamilton right. said after qualifying, he gave it everything he had on that final qualifying lap. There was nothing more to give, and he got blasted by Verstappen in qualifying. And everyone was just like, oh, it's real. 
Like, we're, we'll turn into Kurt Angle. It's damn real. It's like, oh no. <laughs> Whatever yeah, will happen. Then, of course, they do not award the points on the Saturday. They award them on the Sunday. Mm-hmm. And for as quick as Verstappen and his fancy new Red Bull is, Rebel got caught kind of napping on strategy. Uh, he did have differential issues early in the race, inducing some understeer. I don't know how bad they got because he seemed to be able to cope after a few laps. But what it meant is he couldn't really pull away from Hamilton. Mm. And it gave Mercedes the opportunity to undercut him and take track position. And you never, ever, ever, Ferrari taught us this 20 fucking times when they did have an advantage. You never give Mercedes track position. Never. Not in a million years. They will punish you for it. And that was the key moment of the race, the end of the first stint where Verstappen had about a two-second lead in his back pocket. Merckx pulled the undercut. There was a window for Red Bull to respond to the undercut the first lap in. Now, we'd already seen a teaser of this because Fernando Alonso, further back in the midfield, was the first guy to come in who was running the soft compound tire from qualifying because he did made Q3. Um, The undercut was worth a, a good two to three seconds. Well, I reckon. And yeah. if if Amazon's data was to be believed, and I remember this vividly in my head as the race was going on, they gave Red Bull about a 40% chance to get out in front on the, on the first lap after Hamilton came in. Now, I spoke about this on the Discord of a couple of guys afterwards. I said, look, if the, if the data reckons 40%, and you've got the best pit crew in the sport, in your box ready the to best. go guys period the guys point who, blank the best yeah the guys who went you know sub two seconds i think nearly a dozen times last year in only a 17 race season they had they, they broke their own world record for the fastest pit stop last season they can go under two seconds so i think they're one of the if not the only team that can consistently do that 40 percent chance plus the good chance of a positive pit stop i take my chances and push the button and go for the and and, and, and come in yeah. immediately to, to cover the undercut I don't know why you guys felt about strategy, it. Their whole strategy was a little bit weird in that they hadn't... It was simultaneously too aggressive and not aggressive enough. It and was weird. It, plenty of it was weird in like yeah. that way where you think, maybe, maybe they could pull this off. Maybe they're not like missing something by going with an extreme overcut as Hamilton's attempting to undercut them aggressively. And it's mm. it was fascinating. And I thought... Especially in that last end of the race with Verstappen on much fresher tires, he was closing in on them with a rate of like, I, I really thought he was going to have it. Yeah, because. Sure enough, with four laps to go, at least at first, I'm thinking they got it. Yeah, because that's what Verstappen wanted to do during that, before the last stop, he said, don't pit me unless you have to. And after yeah. that radio message, they stayed out a couple more laps. Yeah, like it was they... just a little bit strange where they were, they had enough confidence in their car and in Max on fresher tires to chase Mercedes down, but mm. they didn't have enough confidence in them to potentially to try and cover off the undercut in the first place, and if not, slot right back in behind Hamilton and then pressure him, and attempt to re-undercut him later. Yeah, it was it was very strange. It was like we think Verstappen can gun Hamilton down on track, but not enough to the point where we would consider 
responding to an undercut. It's very strange logic. Um, and yeah, he came out of that because the thing is, we, we saw it. Like I said, I said to people after the race, the, the, the race was not lost from Verstappen's overtake, which we'll get to in a minute. It was lost on the first in pit stop and not covering the undercut. They went long. The undercut worked out beautifully for Mercedes. It was worth about three or four seconds. And then Hamilton comes out in front. And the last thing you ever want to do is give Lewis Hamilton track position. He's incredibly hard to beat at the front. He's the best front runner this sport's ever seen. Um, you know, you, that's the last thing you ever want to do. And yeah, we saw Red Bull able to be more aggressive because they had the more aggressive strategy. Um, because they, they, they were able to run softer compounds of tyre in the end of the race. But it didn't matter because they weren't quite close enough till the end. And then, well, I guess we can avoid this no longer. The the overtake heard around the world. Verstappen coming through on Hamilton with about five laps to go. But then turn four, he puts all four wheels off the track. Now... I don't think I need to explain too hard that this has been a hard and fast rule for a good few years now. You are not allowed to overtake anybody with four wheels off the yeah. track. You you have to concede the position or risk a time penalty. That's um, a often, given. Yeah, often you often more often than not you'll be warned. You'll be given an opportunity to give the place back before a penalty will come into play. If you remove which the advantage, yeah, which he was given a chance. And to be fair to Max and Red Bull, they they immediately suspected that they were told by race control. Apparently, he's going to have to give that one back. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm surprised he did that where he did as soon as he did. I I mm. kind of feel like maybe if he did that later on down the track, that maybe Max, he wouldn't uh, have been as much a bad spot. This is weird for Max Verstappen, for his reputation, but he decided that it, w it wouldn't have been fair enough to make Lewis wait to re-overtake him, which I'm thinking, like, wait, is this the same Max Verstappen we've seen be arguably the most ruthless driver in all of Formula One since right. he walked into the sport? <laughs> yeah, my, man pushed out, my man pushed out Charles Leclerc to win a race in Austria once. Yeah, slammed him off dude? the track with his car. It's... It tells me, it shows me a Verstappen that I think is considering the long game a little more this year. For good reason. You might have something uh, to play with for the first time in his career. Exactly. And the well, reason why this overtake was controversial in the first place, because I don't think it was a legitimate overtake. He put all four wheels off the track. That should never be yeah, a legitimate no, overtake. Yeah, yeah. The reason Anybody why this was controversial in the first place is because... We had four separate rulings across the space of one weekend for a single piece of tarmac. The exit of turn four. Rick Flair, Arn Anderson, J.J. Dillon, and Tony <laughs> Now, Look, in practice and in qualifying, you were not allowed to run all four wheels off the track. Mm -hmm. if, if you did that, your time was deleted. Zero tolerance. Fair enough. In the race... Race direction told the drivers, you may run wide at the exit of turn four if not done deliberately. Big air. Yeah, because sometimes just shit happens sometimes at Del Rosa Corner. Oh, which is, I'm, I'm sad that they are not naming it Del Rosa Corner, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh... midway through the race, after Lewis Hamilton had track extended 29 times. Doing yep. it for Kevin Harvick. Obviously. Oh. 
doing it for Kevin Harvick. That yeah, is a, you, you that gotta is a love weird line. The age of F1 TV, where anyone mm-hmm. could just go back and watch the onboard footage from any car at any moment in time. And 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 that's how now, people found this... out on Twitter a couple of hours after the race had finished because they they'd been able to go on F1 TV, watch the entire race from Hamilton's onboard camera, and you could see the first 29 laps of 30. Off the track at third four again and again and again. Carry on, Cam. Yes. Now, everyone was, for the most part, was doing this to greater or lesser degrees. Lewis was the most aggressive with it, and fair play to him. If you keep doing it and no one says anything, you're a racing driver. You're going to take every liberty that is handed to you. Yeah, yeah, if you're playing a basketball game and they're not calling elbows to the face, you could just elbow people to the face. face. You're going to keep doing it. And the inflection point for the track limits controversy came with a radio call to Max Verstappen, who was trying to protect from Lewis. I believe he was ahead, still yet to make his final pit stop. Mm-hmm. Red Bull told Max, run farther out of turn four. Lewis is doing it. He's not getting penalized. And immediately the FIA stepped in and told everyone, primarily Mercedes, to stop running wide at that corner. <laughs> now and, yeah. it's getting a bit silly. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, you know, I think, I mean, give me just a second, I'm going to dig up the exact conversation because right. I had it downloaded here um, because uh, Bonington had actually had a chat. Uh, Dre, with... your connection. Yep. Your connection Ooh. let go for a couple seconds. Okay, I'll start from the top on that one. Um, yeah, I was going to say is that, yeah, I've actually got the actual conversation that's... Uh, Bono, as we affectionately call him, uh, Lewis Hamilton's race on race engineer Peter Bonington had with Hamilton just a couple of laps later, where Bonington goes, "Quote: Lewis, we're getting warnings about track limits at Turn Four, so just tidy that up." Hamilton understood. I thought there was no track limits. Bonington, yeah, copy on the track limits, Lewis, but we are getting the messages from race control, so you will get a black and white flag next time. The warning flag, if you guys don't know already. Then five seconds. So Hamilton again says on the radio, okay, can you be clear what the rule is? <laughs> Bonington, affirm, let's do it as we were doing in qualifying. Hamilton, I've been doing the same thing all race, it's bullshit. <laughs> Bonington, <laughs> yeah, they're just getting a bit bumpy about it now. Um, that was the exact conversation that Peter Bonington had with Lewis on the radio as this was all happening, basically. Um... And after the race, we got an interview with Michael Massey, who said the rules didn't change throughout the race, which says to me that one of the two are lying, and I don't think it's Mercedes. (laughs) No, um, look. You can't have a driver run wide 29 times. 29. And claim that... And and say that you were monitoring the corner the whole time, that you had people monitoring it, and then change tune halfway through the race. I closing said, the gate. I, I, I love yeah. the way you put it, Dre, that mm. it's closing the gate after the horse had bolted. That's exactly how I described it in my video review, which you can see on the YouTube channel if you want my personal thoughts on it. But it's, I'm going to echo what I said there in the sense of... <sighs> I, my theory was always that I think the FIA and the stewards were a bit embarrassed by Red Bull's radio message that they said to Max. And I, I don't blame Red Bull for seeing what had happened with Hamilton 
doing what he was well, doing in turn four and saying, if, if you're you, Red you might as well do the same thing. <laughs> yeah, if you're Red Bull talking to Max, you're, you're basically telling Max uh, to the for the whole world to hear, yeah, go cheat. They're not enforcing track limits. <laughs> oh, my God. And, yeah, and, and I understand why the FIA had enforced the rules like they did. They don't want to... They don't want to be seen as overtly stringent and, you know, constantly constantly penalizing people, but there's a balance yeah. between yeah, but just letting everything go and just straight up... You, well, you here's know, the thing. King, what is the track? Um, there, what What question. is the track? What is not the track? Good, that's a great question. We'll be here for the next five hours discussing okay. what exactly... What is a track and not a track? Someone, <laughs> look, it is either it is the track and it is not available... or it, it, Either it is the track and it's available to uh, run and overtake on, or it is not part of the track and you shouldn't be going out there every single lap. Yeah. And None of this in-between wishy-washy bullshit that has been so common since Massey took over as the head race director, where hey, we got four different rulings of what is and what is not the track, because clearly if you're letting someone run out there egregiously 29 times, then they're allowed to use that as part of the track. Like, yeah, is like, a hot dog part of the track? <laughs> Silence, yeah, brand. This, this seems to be kind of, you know... Michael Massey's culture, if you will, coming from Australian supercars where it's boys have at it. And... <laughs> <laughs> You, can, you can't say it's boys have way. at it and then say, uh, boys, actually, no, you're going to have to calm it down about halfway through the race. And it, 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 have at it, but don't embarrass me. Don't embarrass me. Please don't embarrass me, otherwise don't really have at it. No, it, I would say it's less embarrassment, more just straight-up complaints from other teams. Just straight-up, hey, this other dude's breaking this clear rule. Why aren't you enforcing it? Can you please, can you please stop extending turn four now, please? <laughs> We've had enough, you know. You're making me look stupid. No, look, look. I, I, I try not to be critical of the race directors. One for the reason of we were spoilt with Charlie Whiting, God rest his soul. We, we, yeah. just, we just did, we just didn't get moments like this very often with Charlie because he knew where the line was. What do you mean um, we didn't get moments like this? Does no one remember like Belgium and like Belgium in 2008? Like- it wasn't like this this frequently, King. I think you have to admit that at least. I'm not saying he was perfect, but we've had we've had multiple discussions about Michael Massey as race director in the two or plus years now he's been in this job. We had the the black and white flag with Leclerc at Monza. We had them trying to decide a race with, 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 with what, what I called the Verstappen Amendment in Austria a couple of years ago. We had Turkey last year and running a session where there was still a machine on track. These moments are adding up. It's not a great look for the stewards involved. And it's not just that. It's that Massey, after, afterwards in the media, is trying to cover his track saying, well, there was no change in how we were monitoring the corner. It's like, We heard a radio message. Yeah, we have multiple radio messages to the contrary. We have we have the receipts. We know you're lying. 
We all heard everything as both major messages were broadcast live during the race. It wasn't even a, we're going to hide this on the YouTube channel or we're going to just keep it on the F1 TV. No, the world feed got both major messages so we could hear exactly the context we needed to see that you clearly... Lossless audio, baby! You clearly had changed your mind over the course of the race. Yeah, and the... The subject that came up after the fact regarding Max's overtake is what is a lasting advantage? Because clearly overtaking off the track, where (laughs) drivers have been driving, all race, gaining time, and that's the FIA is not enforcing track limits in that regard, that is a lasting advantage. But then, you could say the exact same thing about Lewis running wide every lap, gaining a tenth or two every lap, when the margin of victory was seven tenths of a second near is enough so the the lasting advantage argument what is a lasting advantage and again either the track is either it is part of the track and available to use or it isn't i think i I think the 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 discussion now has to be how these these rules seem like they're very vaguely worded or or at least very much open to a massive amount of they're massive to an open amount of interpretation that's the problem. Yeah, they're they're not even they're open. They're not open to interpretation. If you look in the rule book, they're pretty set in stone. It's that they're not enforcing them clearly. Yeah. And it's a shame. It's a damn shame because the discourse directly after the race wasn't that was a brilliant Grand Prix with the two best the, the two best racing drivers on the planet right now. Yeah, they're the two presented protagonists of the sport now. Yeah. They, they beat the shit out of each other for 56 laps. It was exactly what we were all hoping this opening race was going to be. For once, F1 fans' dreams and prayers were actually answered for once. We got the most ideal race we could have possibly asked for. The optimistic race we all wanted to kick off the season. And the discourse on Twitter and the internet afterwards was the fucking track limit. Do you know how frustrating that is? Well, (laughs) I I think mainly the the social media discourse was like that because of the result. If if the positions were swapped the other way around and Hamilton got denied the win because of track limits, it wouldn't be this bad. I'm I'm not so sure. I think it would just be 100% certain about that. I'm I'm 100% certain about that. I'm with King. Because if you're in neutral, you want to see... I think you just switch the fan bases screaming from the rooftops. To a degree, but I also think if you're a neutral, you want Hamilton to lose right yeah. now because he's been he's been he's won five of the last six championships, six of the last seven championships. Like if you're a neutral, you kind of want to see Hamilton taken down a peg. We know how dominance in sport works. Yeah, you know, we get the, sick of one dude winning all the time. The <laughs> biggest storyline heading into this race, which even you brought up yourself, uh, hey, Mercedes, like Mercedes, don't have as big as advantage they had before, and then if any. We come through this very dramatic race. Guess what? Mercedes still win. Yeah, and that's just it. Like, it's Red just, Bull, Red Bull have ma- might have the faster car right now. <sighs> it's aggravating because the, the inconsistencies of how... This is the shadow in this that this race exists in now. And it's not fair to the drivers involved. No. It's not fair to the teams involved. Toto Wolf nope. openly said the, the vague track limits interpretations won them the race. Yeah. And it's not fair to us spectators who are watching going like, 
Wait, so you're allowed to run out there alone, even though you're not, but you're not allowed to overtake out there, so what the fuck just happened? <laughs> right. You know how rare it is that Mercedes and Red Bull are on the same page and agreed about something, even though one deliberately profited off that ruling on the track and the other one didn't, and they still came together and said yeah. the same thing? Because it's, it's, <laughs> it's, been, it's been clear for at least... At least a year and a half now that that all the teams are not happy with Michael Massey. Yeah, yeah. He 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 has rubbed a lot of people the wrong way since taking over as race director. And like I said, we 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 have receipts of multiple incidents where he people have been unhappy at the way he's handled the situation. And this one was probably no different, unfortunately. And it it did have a dramatic outcome on the race. Not you know. And, of course, everybody was pissed off. Everybody was annoyed by it. I'll, I'll be honest. Red Bull took it with remarkably good grace, given their standards. Yeah. Um, you know, they they didn't really kick up a stink. Horner wasn't as petty as he normally was about this sort of thing. He was like, shit happens, but we would like, we would like clearer interpretation on what the track limits are. And, again, as mentioned, Toto completely agreed. He was like, well, look. You're right. We don't. We don't want to win off the back of vague terms, basically. Um, and he admitted it was pretty much the reason why they won. To, why they won the race, which is yeah. a shame because this was a magnificent win for Hamilton. Yeah. Win number ninety six of his career. And it it was taints amazing. one of his best drives. It taints yeah. one of the best Grand Prix in terms of a fight for the lead. I don't think it's one we've anything. had. I, I think people who go on saying that this is tainted and this is a tainted race because the track limits are the most boring people. <laughs> Yeah, this, was, this was like a 9.5 out of 10 Grand Prix. Like, guaranteed, by the time we see the checkered flag at Imola, we're probably going to forget about this track limits thing. I think... The only way I could see that happening is if, like, Verstappen loses the title by, like, 7 points. But there are going to be many opportunities where Matt Verstappen could end up losing the title anyway. I, I think... Like, there is a bit of a disconnect about what the teams are unhappy with and what social media in general are unhappy with. Like, obviously, uh, the teams are unhappy with Massey in general. And, and for a variety of different reasons. Uh, with most people on social media, it's very specific issues, usually dealing with the outcome of either the race, a podium, or points. Hmm. People often tie the incidents to the drivers they support or do not support. Yeah. Whereas so, the way teams feel with Massey is just draw draw some line in the sand and say, okay, here's the line, don't cross it. Not hmm. moving the line seemingly almost lap to lap with certain incidents. Yeah, where... Hmm. where like Dre said earlier, even Mercedes were unhappy with Massey during the race. And if you go on social media, I don't know any Hamilton supporters that would openly say, yeah, we're definitely unhappy about this call, guys. No, it was a no. shit call! Woo! But, but even then, further back in the pack, I mean, you had uh, you had Yuki Tsunoda, who we'll get to a little bit later, fantastic rookie debut for him, uh, fighting with Esteban Ocon. Tsunoda forced him off the track at turn four. Ocon stayed out there, got the track position, and was able to complete the overtake. But then again, Even you could make the debate that he there. was... Yeah. He was forced But off. he was forced out there. But then that's that's okay to do because of Massey's ruling 
with the Verstappen incident in Austria 2019. So it's it's just a mess and it's confusing for us, it's confusing for those involved, and we just want more clarity in how he's enforcing the written rules. Yeah. Yeah. The the, the enforcement and the interpretation is, is going is going to have everybody scratching their fingers at some point. Um and yeah, as mentioned, you know, mitigate mitigation is a big part of being a steward. So you know, I don't always try and be too harsh on them because it's not easy, and there is a wide range of penalties. For example, that you can give, for instance, we'll get to with Formula Two later because that was a sketchy one in its own right. Yeah, um, for, though oh, yeah. it does, like it does, make me miss the boats because. It, it, oh, it's always go back to the yes, because like <laughs> for for two months we watched boat racing and the penalties were always very clear cut and even if things were a little vague they always had the race director come onto the broadcast and explain what the ruling was and why that decision was made. Mm. And no, King, I'm sure that the Suez Canal is missing a boat <laughs> right about now. <laughs> <laughs> and y'all ever just have to do a drive of shame oh, down shame. down a road shame. where you have to drive by every person you just held up in traffic for an hour <laughs> <laughs> and uh like to make a somewhat apples and oranges comparison to the America's Cup. The America's Cup has her own track limits penalties. And even when you're forced out forced out of the track boundaries due to a, a technical fault, you're still penalized because the boundary's the bad boundary no matter what. Yeah. Ugh, uh, it's a shame. It's a, it's, a, yeah. it's a shame. It was messy. And in at least in the short term, it was a bit of a blinker on an otherwise fantastic Grand Prix. And, no, I, still, uh, I still think it was great. Solid eight and a half to a nine out of ten. Oh, I, I give it a nine and a half. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, it was yeah. fun, fun tactical battle. Can't, can't ask for uh, much more. Yeah, yeah. Well, it wasn't just the fight at the front; it was the fights throughout the field. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, I, I yeah. wanted to make a mention of some of that. I mean, running down the field a little bit here. We know we normally don't do that so much on this show anymore, but we used to certainly. I mean, looking at it. Lando Norris again, like it's getting to a point where Lando finishing fourth is no longer a surprise, and that is a, a positive endorsement of McLaren. They are yeah. definitely yeah, the third best car on the field right now. It's almost like everybody's yeah. been sleeping on Lando Norris for the better part of the last two years. Everybody, I'm, I'm, I'm not so sure about that. Depends. But, uh... I'm, I'm, depends. How much are you on Twitch these days? Oh. <laughs> I yeah, mean um, that in the sense that he is almost never mentioned nowadays in the same level as Verstappen, Leclerc, and even Russell when he is clearly on that level. Oh, absolutely. I think the people aren't considering him there are wrong. Um, he he had the measure of Daniel Ricardo in that car, mm. and Daniel Ricardo is no slouch. Ricardo's a to Daniel, though, on the because uh, because his car was busted for most of the race, although that was kind of. Did kind of I was not his fault. Yeah, Gasly hit him. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, we Gasly. had a messy first lap. <sighs> like we had a messy yes. first lap. We had a messy opening couple of incidents, and Gasly, who put that car fifth, AlphaTauri oh. also being real, they were very good in qualifying. Well, Gasly threw it all away by driving into the back of Ricardo very clumsily. 
knocking his front wing off, destroyed his floor, and he was never a factor again. Gasly had top five pace all weekend long. Like he was bringing Alpha Tauri back to the days of like the late two thousands when they were giving their 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 sibling team a run for their money. Some guy called Seb. I wonder what happened to him. Point is, is that yeah, Gasly was was really quick all weekend and just chucked it all the way on the opening lap. That was such a shame for what I'd argue outside of Monza was probably Gasly's best weekend in F1 top to bottom um, was just mad impressive the whole way through just a shame he didn't have the result to show for it Charles Leclerc quiet but a damn solid P6 as far as I'm concerned dare I say that there is signs of life coming out of Scuderia Ferrari Mission Winnow oh. <laughs> I'm not gonna tell you that they're back to being title contenders but they looked. They didn't you can't, look. No, because you can't say there's signs of life when you look at their budget and where they should be and where they are. Yeah. Especially when AlphaTauri on the weekend looked stronger than them. Um, the Ferrari definitely. It looks better than last year, but that's only because it Def- couldn't look much definitely. worse. Now, could it? And to no. be fair, and, uh, they might have a second driver in there that's worth a damn now, because Sainz was up there, and he was in the wars, to be fair. He, he had a good couple of fights in there with Fernando Alonso, his fellow Spaniard, um, and Sebastian Vettel, which we'll get to very shortly. But uh, it looks like Ferrari's got two rear gunners. I mean, let's, not, let's pump the brakes on Ferrari a little bit, because Leclerc was still a minute off the win, but, you know. Yeah, that's like, the thing. Uh... Leclerc put in a great time in qualifying, but similar to last year, it looks like this Ferrari is much better on one lap pace, and we know Leclerc is ridiculous over one lap. Oh yeah, uh, race pace—they were well a whole bottle of mid. Yeah, as mentioned, Ricardo limped a, a solid McLaren in seventh. Yuki Tsunoda ninth on debut. That's an, that's about as much as you can hope for out of a rookie in his first ever seat in the car. Uh, Japanese enthusiast <laughs> RJ is down in his entire bottle of water in celebration. Um, Yuki was great. Uh, yo, not a great uh, start, but everything after the start, he looked like he's been here for years. I'm yeah. not just drinking the Kool Aid. I'm downing it. With full force. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. <laughs> everybody, everybody loves this dude. A- a- the- the- Yuki Tsunoda is the one man. Well, there's another man who could yank most of F1 Trooper. Yeah, yeah. But Yuki Tsunoda is the one man who could positively unite F1 Twitter on this weekend. I know. Because was- his driving <laughs> style is fun. He looked competitive. He let out a little swear on the radio in practice. Always oh, oh, fun. It was a, a little, big no. F bomb. It was no, the no, biggest uh, of F bombs. Yuki, Yuki, in his own words, is quite the uh, quite the colorful, uh, quite colorful on the radio. The, the and, blast uh, radius on that F bomb was bigger than Yuki himself. <laughs> like... That's not hard, to be fair. <laughs> I know um, only a five small two, man but filled geez. with rage. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Yuki had a couple great moves in the race. Um, good speed, kept his nose clean for the most part. Uh, when he made his moves, he was decisive, and can't ask for much more on a rookie debut. We did miss someone in this top five, uh, someone who we thought was out of this race before it had even started. Control-Alt-Delete-Master, Sergio, Sergio Perez. <sighs> My man. Car, 
Car died on the formation lap on the final corner. This battery just completely cut out and failed. They had to restart it manually from the dashboard. They were able to get it going again, but of course Perez had dropped to the back of the grid because he missed the formation lap. They had to abort the start. It's kind of funny though. Verstappen was maybe one lap away from winning that Grand Prix, and we lost the lap due to Sergio Perez's aborted start. It became a 56-lap race, not a 57-lap race. Just throwing that I one don't out know, there. But, I don't know, but uh, yeah, Perez, uh, who had actually missed Q3 mm. in that mighty Red Bull, is still really learning the ropes with that car. But in the race, he looked great. Yeah, excellent race. He looked really good. And I think it's not that we want to pile on Sergio Perez for not being Albon or Gasly. It's that... Yeah, no, there are times, especially in the transition from Q2 to Q3, that, like, we're thinking, yeah, this second Red Bull car is cursed. And I'm glad Sergio <laughs> Perez sa- salvaged a fifth-place finish. Yo, yeah, my dude is making moves. Yeah, I know he's in a top-two car, but that's still an impressive drive, considering the car almost didn't get to start the race to begin with. Yeah, it was a... Yeah, which, again, he... plays into that curse. Look, Red Bull bet on themselves. They tried running the medium tire in Q2. That's always a risky game in in that second half of the midfield where anywhere between 7 and 13 can get a bit flaky, depending if someone puts in a killer lap. And if someone's like... uh... Let's not forget, a Ferrari led that session because they had to slap softs on at the end because they were desperate to get to Q3. They wanted the higher grid position where the big teams will want to start on the better race tyre. So Perez was just a little... He was caught short more than anything else. Perez, <laughs> by his own admission, said it wasn't a great lap and that mm. he's still learning to qualify the car. But again, race pace was good. Yep. And uh, if you have stock in Alexander Albon... Sell! Um, Sell! It, you're you're looking like Black Monday 1929 right now. Oh, I hate it for him and I hate it for Horsey. But, yeah, I especially oh, uh, hate it for Horsey. But what mm. if I have stock in Aston Martin? Um, uh, you know, it is a it is hold. a bad it is a bad day to be a former Formula One world champion. Sebastian Vettel, bad day at the office. Kimi Raikkonen, there but not really. Fernando Alonso, killed by a sandwich bag. Where's that hot dog bag? Nobody knows. Yeah, not a good day through, for the olds uh, of the grid. No, uh, Aston Martin stinks. We were all stink. good. They were not good. Um, Vettel got a penalty in qualifying after being eliminated in Q1 because he was caught in some yellow flags, but didn't slow down enough for other yellow flags, so he got a penalty, started last with three points on his license. Just Can't ignore double wave this yellows, is... man. No, I wasn't even dwelling on that when I did this. It's very aggravating now to watch Sebastian Vettel be involved for almost half the race in a fantastic scrap. He's mm. making all the right moves. His wheel-to-wheel racecraft is as good as it ever was. And then he has a clumsy incident where he just drives into the back of Esteban Ocon. It's like, oh, not again. Yeah, that was, it, was a, it was a redundant 10-second time penalty um, for locking up and driving into the back of Esteban Ocon. 
Um, yeah, sorry to clarify from Jason. Thanks for letting us know in the Discord. It was two penalty points for ignoring double wave the yellows in Q1. Um, and then three for the incident with Esteban Ocon towards the last stage of that race. So Vettel picked up five penalty points in the space of one weekend, which I think has to be a record. Um, yeah. I can't remember someone else having a five-point weekend, um, which is pretty Not rough. at this level. Not at this um, level, and maybe not in a long damn time. I was yeah. going to say, Mahavir Ragunathan would like to uh, would like to argue with that, but Good when point. you're being compared <sighs> to him, there's problems. No, um, um, look, it, 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 I know it, it, Vettel isn't comfortable with a car. I know Aston Martin has more or less been reduced to this being a transition year because their car is badly crippled by the new regulations. Yeah, but we can't see that out of Vettel. That's that's not okay for a four-time world champion. No, no. no. You know what was okay? Lance Stroll somehow salvaging a point out of that. It's a good drive from Lance. Yeah, but when, no, you're rep- when you're thinking you might be the third best team in the sport and you salvage one point out of the opening weekend that you probably shouldn't have got anyways. Mm. Yikes. Yeah, Fernando Alonso was was looking good for points in an Alpine that we were dissing hard going through the course of the weekend. For that car slow. stinks. Yeah, and, Al- and, they, uh. and they were set for more points. I joke about Fernando a lot on this show. He was excellent, and it was a darn. He deserved points. He was very unlucky with that with that DNF there towards the end. I told y'all it was going to happen, and all this shut up, RJ. Not a word out of you. Yeah, Alpine for all their gesturing about well, we did this to the car. It might not look great, but it performs better. When I see it, I'll let them know. Yeah, even though like last year when when. It was announced that Alonso was signed with the team. The, Alpine and Alonso both made it clear that this year was going to be a rebuild year. Yeah, how many rebuild years has Enstone had since getting bought by the factory? <laughs> Half of them. Every year, every but, year is a rebuild. Um, I think <laughs> they've not I retained think, the driver lineup since coming back. <sighs> Renault has slipped, I think, to a distant fourth best power unit again. Yeah, looks like it. Distant. They were, like they were getting drag raced. They were getting drag raced by everything with four wheels in that race. Mm-hmm. It's like every time like Fernando or Esteban made a move, they were immediately getting counterattacked by the opponent on the other power unit the moment they got DRS. Saw it with Leclerc, the Ferrari, with Vettel. which was a joke yeah. last year. Yeah, yeah, they're getting pegged by everybody there for, for power now in a straight line. It was uh, well, not King- pretty. King, I guess our our respective blueberry bets are safe. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, just wait for Lamar with that Alpine LMP1 car. Oh boy. <laughs> that might be the only chance for the blue to see victory lane. Um, yeah. Alfa Romeo existed. Yeah. yeah. Williams existed. Bad. Williams existed. Um, Williams looked better than last year, but again, couldn't really look Relative. much worse. And I Haas... Oh my oh. god. Oh. Oh. I got two I got two minutes and forty-five seconds left on this clock that I want to set for the rest of the field. Um Mick Schumacher uh wore a fantastic shirt, as did Sebastian Vettel during the pre-race moment reflection in Hatch yep. yes. races one. Uh and he finished the race, which is much more than what I could say about his teammates. <laughs> this is all that I want to say about Haas. It's terrible. <laughs> everything else is everything else other than Mick Schumacher is bad. It's awful. It stinks. 
I didn't yeah, think um, it was going to be this bad. Yes. It's bad. Uh, okay. The, the, the Russian Michael. Automobile Federation driver at Haas was a joke this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nikita Mazepin, or as we now call him, Nikita Mazespin. Oh. Um, he spun once in qual. He spun, I think, a- once in practice. Yep. Once in qualifying that was his fault. Once yep. in qualifying that was not his fault. He had a break by wire failure. And mm-hmm. then on lap one, turn one, or actually exit of turn two, he got on the curb and just ate shit. <laughs> yeah. Enormous that- crash out of the race. Uh, we all laughed quite hard, stopped before finding out that he was okay. And went right back to laughing. <laughs> to be fair, it, w- it was like turn three of a Haas on the opening lap of a Bahrain Grand Prix. I think you can forgive people for being a bit nervous before wanting to go into one on that one. It was like, oh shit, not again. Wait, he's okay. Open season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Nikita Mazepin looked like a driver who was not ready for Formula One. And somehow that is still not even remotely the worst thing I can say about him. But I will refrain from saying that on this podcast. You know how we all feel. Mick Schumacher also spun on cold tires. This car stinks. Mm -hmm. The rest of his Grand Prix was anonymous because Haas really are that bad. Yeah. And that's all I want to say about Haas because honestly, I think they look worse than 2019 Williams. At least that car was slow as shit, but it was stable. Haas don't look like they're going to get anywhere near a points paying finish this year. Even with Mick who we know is a slow learner, seemingly picking up on how to drive an F1 car pretty quickly. Yeah, Mick Mick is not the slow learner. We only perceive Mick as a slow learner compared to the other guy. (laughs) Like a year two champion because we've been so spoilt with year one promotions in the last half decade with Verstappen and Leclerc and... And, and Lando and George Russell. We've been so spoilt with one-and-done guys now that we forget that apparently two years means you're not worthy of the Schumacher name anymore so because the internet is fucking stupid. Um, yeah, Haas stink. That's all that needs to be said about Haas. Everything about them besides Mick stinks. If they didn't just get a whole-ass wad of questionable sponsorship money, I would be saying this is a team that looks like it's in its death throes. Yeah. I mean, in some ways it is, in other ways it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in many ways it is, but again, due to aforementioned sponsorship, they're going to soldier on with little to no actual consequences for being Oh, no, as no, bad no. They're going to they're going to burn into the ground and then be rebuilt yeah. in Moscow. Yeah. And then yeah. Uh high-tech F1. They're fucking awful and I feel bad for a lot of the hard-working men and women in that team who deserve better, and I feel bad for Mick Schumacher. We hate it for the boys in the shop. We hate it for the people in the shop who uh, built a... I don't know if it was a pretty fast race car by their standards, but it's still no. a race car all the same. Uh, They're trying. Yeah. That'll Formula. just about do it for this Grand Prix. Yeah. Good one. To F2. Go, go watch this race. Go watch this race. Hell, if you have an F1 TV sub, and you can watch these races. Go watch the Formula 2 races. They're good. This weekend, mark the debut of Formula 2's new three-race format. Two sprint races on Saturday and the feature race now serving as Sunday morning's main event. Both sprint races saw rookies win on their first weekends on the F2 circuit. Red Bull Junior Team prospect Liam Lawson launched from the second row of the grid to lead in sprint race one. And if Sauber Junior Teo Porcher 
Porsher was able to hang with Lawson through the first half of the race, but with 10 laps to go, his car lost power in a certified hashtag MechaCrow moment. <laughs> that opened the door for fellow Red Bull Jr. Jahan Daruvula to make his way up from fifth on the grid into Lawson's shadow. Daruvula fought as hard and as fair as he could, but Lawson held on for his first victory by less than a second. And another F2 rookie, David Beckman of Germany, scored a sensational third place from almost nowhere. Sprint Race 2, on the other hand, was a showcase of the Alpine Academy. Guan Yu Zhou, rookie Oscar Piastri, both fighting it out for the victory. And even Christian Lundgaard was in the mitts on track, despite having a 10-second time penalty. As the trio lunged into the first couplet of corners on the final lap of the race, Piastri fought his way past his Alpine Academy staplemates to take the lead in the win and adjust his second race. Zhou was promoted to second with Lundgaard's penalty, Daruvula finished on the podium once more in third. Joe may have been denied a sprint race win, but he would not be denied in the feature race his first feature victory, using the softer compound tires in the second stint to his advantage as he slipped past Piastri and Richard Vashour to take the lead. Piastri pushed past the limit of his aggression and tried to battle our old friend Dan Tickton for second. Tickton carried on his race and salvaged runner-off spot after two miserable sprints, Following a DNF in Sprint 2, Lawson made his way back onto the podium as five drivers received post-race time penalties for safety car infringements. A quarter of the field, everybody. Yep. Way to go, guys. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, when we were talking about issues with race control and inconsistency, we weren't just talking about F1. Well, uh, <laughs> well... The junior series have a different uh, race director for their series, so thankfully I'm we're throwing not... the whole FIA <laughs> under the bus here. The whole thing, all of it. <laughs> yeah, we had we had sketchy ones because I, I distinctively remember Tickton got a five second time penalty in the first sprint race for spinning out Vershaw. They hugged and made up on Instagram. Richard said, "You owe me a beer." Dan was like, no, several beers, sorry, my bad, basically. Then in race two, we had Lungard, I think it was a 10-second time penalty for a very yeah. similar incident in the second sprint race. So he got 10 compared to Tictum's five, which didn't really add up, given that we're very... Like, there was actually... We, we, we watched this race on Discord, and we said there was enough mitigation to maybe even call it a racing incident, just to say, well, look, he's gone... All he's gone... He's taken a different line around the corner... Lingard was boxed in. You kind of might just let that one go as a as a lap one incident and just let that one go. I would I would have understood on on that one, you know. And then we had the, the feature race where Schwartzman locked up and drove into the back of a free wide, and then he got a drive through penalty. So it was all we had a good chunk of the spectrum of uh, stewarding decisions used for a, 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 a strange case of. Of penalty, so it, it to cut to clarify, we were all just a little bit irked at the situation, and this was before the Formula One race had even started. We were all just going, "Yeah, this has been a bit messy for Formula Two this weekend." But uh, I mean, overall, I think the vibe is it's a good time to be a rookie because <laughs> uh, almost all of them were very impressive in some way, shape, or form this weekend. Piastri, that boy can drive. My God. Uh, um, Alpine, you got a problem, and for once it's a good problem, problem, and it's not your car in 2021. <laughs> you got decisions to make, pal, because you got three future F1 drivers in your academy, and I don't know if you can make room for all three. No, right, I'm thinking, uh, you've got a similar Alpine. problem there, pal. 
Yeah, considering Endstone's uh, considering Endstone's tendency to change driver lineups, I just think they're going to cycle one of these three into their team every year and then kick them out again. <laughs> <laughs> or just not hire any of them and just take Pierre Gasly instead if he hits the open market. <laughs> and then toss him after a year. Sure, why not? It's 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 a seat by it's a seat by committee. They all you all share it. How about that? We all get experience one way or another. Because boy, Joe Lungard, who was title favorite, picked by two of us on this very show last week, um, and Oscar Piastri were all excellent in their own right at some point over the course of this weekend. Also, I have to give a special shout out to Sprint Race Two. The TV director leaving us in suspense on that final lap with the side-on shot into oh turn one God. and not knowing who was going there in front. I don't know if that was the worst or the best camera shot I've ever seen for a final lap decider. I'm still not sure. <laughs> I hated it, but I loved it at the same time. I was like, who's there? Where is it? Who are they? And then it's like... It was, it, was, it was amazing and yet terrible. Um, but, I mean, this was... A fantastic weekend of racing oh, and great and, weekend of racing. It may have been and, a mess, but it's a mess that we love and appreciate. This, oh. this track just generates great racing. Oh yeah, for, for so. me, it's the number one track in the series, as far as I'm concerned. Like for Formula One and its support series, I don't think there's a track on the calendar that consistently produces as good racing as Bahrain does. For the last few years, you've had some great races across the board in Bahrain. It just has a knack for it. I don't know what it is about it, but it just happens. And like I said, rookie's mad impressive. Like I said, Lingard, I know, is a second-year guy, but Piastri was great. Lawson was superb. Um, you know, probably should be leading the championship coming out of this first weekend. I think he was probably the most impressive guy out there. Um, sadly, that sprint to race DNF, like a chrome. Um, cost him dearly on that one again. Not a not a great showing for Mecha Chrome again this weekend. Multiple nasty DNFs from key positions over the course of the weekend. How, how do you pick a spec engine manufacturer <laughs> that cannot provide an engine that is cheap or reliable? We had another fire extinguisher go off as well. Oh, the one in a million better. incident that is now like the third time that's happened in the last couple of years. It was Jan Luca Petikoff had the whole Petikoff. Mick Schumacher special. Oh, the the exploding fire extinguisher. I just like, come on, what is up with these cars? I hate it. But again, we're keeping it relatively brief here. But uh, great races, RJ gone. Yeah. Yeah, um, two more rookie shout-outs. Richard, for sure. Great. David Beckman, great to see him back on a podium. Mm. Uh, also, can can Yuri Vips get some of that Red Bull Jr. team love? Oh. <laughs> Which, by the way, if you loved close, wheel-to-wheel competitive racing, then you're in luck for the next round of the Form of the Two Championship, which is at... Oh, it's at Monaco. Oh. And it's like... Two months away. It's May twentieth. Next yeah. time we see Formula Two, we're, we're all shitting on it right now. But Formula Two at Monaco is at nothing else. It's weird. It, it is very weird. It is sheer chaos. The next two F two rounds are gonna be chaos. Monaco, then Baku. Prepare yourself. Oh, Prepare uh... yourself. You know, I think it's good because in the meantime, we have we have this little break from F two. They can put in a much more reliable and cheap engine. I think we should LS swap the F2 grid. <laughs> it's not going to happen. 
We haven't got enough credits on Forza Horizon 4 to make that happen. Um, <laughs> also, yeah, to, top, to sum it up better than I ever could, Zale in the supporters of our general on Discord quote, in the words of Oscar P. Astri, if you don't like that, then you don't like Formula 2. There was some tremendous racing. What we would say on here would not do it justice. Go out of your way to see all three of those races. Highlights are on YouTube. If you've got F1 TV Pro outside of the uk etc etc yeah. um yeah all the racing this weekend in bahrain please go out of your way to watch it it's well, worth the wait y- you don't need f1 tv pro to watch the replays it's not the same king and you know it's not the same <laughs> <laughs> um but uh yeah uh, again go see the replays well worth it excellent racing um, as mentioned before we get out of here as well, check back next week if you want to hear both MotoGP race reviews going down from Qatar. So, some quick extra notes to mention. One, it wasn't a bike in red that won. I know, you're shocked. And we have to mention it on it because we nerded out over this on Twitter and on Discord massively. Johan Zarco broke the all-time MotoGP speed record uh, twice in the course of one weekend. 220.5 miles an hour on the Friday, and then on Saturday qualifying into a tailwind, he ran 225.2 miles an hour. For, For those the rest guys, of you out there, that is 362.4 kilometers per hour. <laughs> that's over 100 meters per second. That's like that's like to put it into perspective. Imagine Usain Bolt's world record in the hundred meters, but nine and a half times faster. Like an it Olympic was fast. <laughs> it was speedy, and quite possibly, it was quick. When when people yeah. are out here saying, "Hey, maybe MotoGP is too fast now." Yeah, <laughs> you got guys like Matt Oxley and David Emmett, guys that are veterans of this game for twenty plus years, no, turning around and saying, "In that article, they quoted Valentino Rossi." Yeah, Valentino. I was, I was gonna make that point. Valentino himself was like, "Okay, anything over two oh five is very dangerous." So it's like, well, I mean, to be the- fair, that's that's all the Yamaha will do these days. <laughs> <laughs> he was talking about it, obviously, from a, a standpoint. He was talking about kilometers. He was saying, like, like we we thought three thirty was extremely dangerous. The fact that we're now doing three sixty is just remarkable. Well, I mean, we'll listen, save that David for next week's show. <laughs> we'll save a yeah. we'll save a bit more of that for next week, but. Um, if you haven't read Matt Oxley's piece about it on Motorsport Magazine, check it out. Great read. Um, talking about the upticks in power as well as the, of the challenges of just going that fast in general. Because 225 miles an hour on a 300 horsepower, 160 kilo prototype is mad. And one more sentence to sum it up. It is the fastest sanctioned speed ever recorded on a MotoGP bike, even if you include unofficial tests. Nothing has ever touched this. Ridiculous. And on that note, let's get out of here. But um, incredible racing. If you haven't seen it this weekend already, Formula One absolutely stole the show. Go out of your way to see it all already. Places you can find us in the meantime are on youtube.com forward slash motorsport 101 or on facebook.com forward slash motorsport 101. Again, subscribe if you're on YouTube already. Um, Twitters are on the screens right now in the description down below if you're watching on YouTube. 
or if you're listening to Whistle Eye Audio, it's at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, at Ryan Eric King, at CBuckley917, and the show itself at Motorsport underscore 101. We're on Instagram at Motorsport101Pod, as mentioned. There'll probably be a couple of fun clips from this episode, because uh, King sprung a surprise on us on that one, so that'll be fun. Um, check it out on there. Obviously, updates as well on all our new content when that all comes out as well. And of course, if you really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. $5 gets you early access to all of our audio episodes. You can upgrade to $10 for the video versions of those shows as well as the supporters club of our Discord server where you can listen to these episodes live as they're being recorded. Shout out to Zale, to Finley, to James, to Jason, to Vic, and to Zoe. Congrats, Vic, on the India Series win, you jammy bastards. Um, <laughs> I had to get a cricket joke in there somewhere. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, all the details and much more on our website, motorsport101.com. Oh, by the way, any video that I make with a script in it this year will also be on the website as well. So if you like, if you prefer your content to be written-based, it'll all be up on there as well. We'll be back next week with both the MotoGP Grand Prix of Qatar and the Grand Prix of Doha, which is really weird to say, but it's two Grand Prix at the same track. But hey, it'll be fun. If it's anything like the first race, it'll still be a good time. So until then, I've been Andre Harrison. They've been RJ O'Connell, Ryan Eric King, and Cam Buckley. Until next week, we'll see you next time. (laughs) Thanks for watching and listening, and sayonara. Later, y'all. Bye. Maybe Alpine's fix for the F1 car is to stick a Ducati engine in. Maybe then it'll be fast in a straight line. Maybe we can make Monaco more exciting by making it a dirt track. Oh, God. (gasps) Joey Logano won it. It's all you need to know. (laughs) Surface management is hard. (laughs) 